we tell stories that engage, inspire, and have a lasting impact? How do we turn thoughts and ideas into effective and authentic storytelling? How can we use stories to make a difference in our work, lives, and communities? I'm your host, Camille DePutter, and together we'll explore what it means to tell stories with heart. Welcome to another episode of the Storytelling with Heart podcast. I am your host, Camille DePutter, and with me today is Lisa Bragg. Lisa Bragg is a master of both the art and the science of self-promotion. And yes, Bragg is her real name. Lisa helps high achievers of all sorts be seen, heard, and share their value with the world. She then takes it a step further to show leaders how to help less visible people on their teams do the same. Lisa's book, Bragging Rights, How to Talk About Your Work Using Purposeful Self-Promotion, launched as a bestseller in May 2023. Bragging Rights is based on insights from Lisa's career as an award-winning journalist, entrepreneur, and consultant, as well as an extensive international research study on bragging and self-promotion. I love Lisa's message and her approach to self-promotion, especially as it pertains to people who don't typically feel comfortable, quote-unquote, bragging. So glad to have you here today, Lisa. Thank you for joining me. Camille, thank you. It's an honor to be here and share my message with your audience. Amazing. So I thought to begin, maybe you could share a bit of your own journey? Like, how did you get to this point of where you are today and really being so, so focused on and such a champion of this notion of self-promotion? You know, it goes back to being a child. As so many things, the impression is early. And so I was somebody who wanted to get gold stars, do really well in school, you know, 99%, well, where'd that 1% go? Or gold (laughs) stars all the way. And I realized young that my success would bother people. But it was interesting though, because that's an environment where you know the rules of success, do this equals get that, right? And it's pretty cut and dry in school. But I realized that, you know, with the eye rolling, oh, you're going to brag about it. So I realized my last name meant something to other people. I didn't know it meant anything. So, Mm -hmm. you know, but I meant it meant success or meant what, you know, some negativity around it. So I really became curious about it really young and then started to hide myself. I didn't want to be standing out. I didn't want people to know on a roll or any of those things. So I'd hide them. I wouldn't talk about what I was doing. I was still doing the things because I was drawn. I had to do these things, but I wasn't telling anyone about the things whatever those things may be, you know, it's probably all the things that everyone in your listening audience is they're achievers too. So they are probably doing those things. And then I decided to go into broadcast journalism. And a lot of it is, I always wanted to tell the stories of people who were hidden gems, who wasn't being covered on the news and what other stories could we find? And so often I would go in journalism, it's actually a pack kind of thing. Even if you're competitors, you would go to the same people because nobody would want to miss out on those same interviews. So, but I would zig when everyone else was zagging and find those different people and say, Hey, I think you're the expert. Can I put you on camera? And so often they would say, who me? Oh no, don't put me on camera. I'm not ready yet. I'm not this, that. And it's like all the different excuses I'd hear, but the people that I was able to convince maybe sounds strong, but (laughs) that I was able to coach to do it 
then they would say, after the fact, they'd say, well, you know, I then got another media opportunity and I got a promotion or I got this happened. And I have the thank you cards to this day of people saying, thank you for giving me the opportunity because you believed in me and it made a difference. And so just actually somebody saying you are an expert opened up doors for people in their brains and in real opportunities. So that was amazing. And then I decided to start a content company, one of Canada's first content companies. So all the things we take for granted now, video, animation, e-learning, uh, we were doing that and realized how great it was to share knowledge. We called it knowledge mobilization, which is pretty much thought leadership nowadays, but share knowledge with the world and executives would put their subject matter experts online and it would go out there and then they would see all the great things that would happen for the individual and for the organization. And so realized there's something to this. And when I look back and saw all the red threads, like, oh, okay, this is leading me to this. And then I'm like, I need to write a book about this because I've collected so much information along the way. And I think it would be helpful to a wider, wider audience than I can serve individually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you were getting into journalism, then did you, did you have that awareness that, Hey, a a part of me has felt hidden or unseen, you know, like maybe you knew you were good in school, you had strengths, you had talents, but you were kind of covering them up a little bit, you know, not, not trying to draw attention to yourself. Did you have that awareness that, hey, because of my own experience, there's maybe part of me that wants to help other people get out into the spotlight that deserve it? Oh, absolutely. I think that's part of it. Also, my parents watched a lot of TV, a lot of news. So I think that was something, if you want to go deep into it, there's something Mm -hmm. there too, where my parents were watching and consuming so much news. And I'm like, well, there's something I could easily do. And I didn't know about all the other professions in the world to, to access that would have also used my skills, but I was just so drawn to it at a very young age. But I think that's what it is. I wanted, you know, I wanted to start up one of the grade six newspapers and stuff like that because I wanted to collect stories and share them widely because I believe we all, you know, it's foundational for all of us to want to be seen and heard. And I guess I did want to be seen and heard. I wanted my friends to be seen and heard. But how do you do it? How, who has control? How do you have the tools to do it? Who's Who's the guardian of all of it? And so I thought it was fascinating. And back in my day in journalism, it wasn't about the journalist. It was very much, you know, Mm -hmm. as much as we could, unbiased, audience-focused stories that were really about the people who, you know, who are the characters of the story. So, and again, as unbiased as possible, but uh, realizing we all carry bias within us, but really aware of that, I wanted to make sure we were telling stories of people that I knew instead of just always the people that were the same old, same old over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I've always had a, a strong feeling and in, in leaning that way myself in that. And I think it comes from maybe a similar place of feeling as a younger person, not necessarily seen or not or recognized or really able to, you know, feel that I could express myself in a way that people would get. And then in turn, becoming that much more interested in, hey, how do I help other people take and claim their own spotlight and feel seen and heard and so on. Those are, those are phrases that I use a lot and, you know, this this idea of feeling seen and something that, that you mentioned just now and was in your intro as well. Can you tell me what, 
What does that mean to you? And, and why is it important? Why is it important for all of us? Well, I think it's foundational to all humans to want to be seen and heard. You know, that's we're out there and it could be. And then when I say that so many times, people think, well, Beyonce or world national, international level. <laughs> it's like, no, you might just need to be seen by one person. It's that audience of one that really will make a difference in your life. Or maybe it is Beyonce, Taylor Swift level, but it depends on what you need. But I feel that we all have a message to give and whatever that message is, we need to put it out in the world. And so I think so many of us, when we're not seen and heard, it's almost thinking about the opposite, I think really gets into people's brains. It's like, well, what do you feel when you're not seen and heard? Well, that invisibility cloak starts to feel corrosive after a while where people aren't hearing me, they're not seeing me, they don't know what I'm thinking. And we feel really you know, marginalized or uh, discarded when we're not seen and heard. And so I think that we need to lift the invisibility cloak off of people and help them to be seen and heard in ways that they feel comfortable with. And again, audience of one or audience of many, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. It's just that we have that feeling of being seen and heard and that someone has actually heard my message and that it resonated with them and maybe you know, it's that chain reaction of a spark. Can mm-hmm. we be that spark, that chain, that is part of the chain that does make a difference in the world? Because, you know, Pollyanna asked, but I do believe we want to have good things happen. But so many people who are, they're stifled, they're told not to speak out, repercussions, you know, they're there with so many great things to say, but the penalty, the risk, the reward, which one are they going towards and what time in the society are we at that will allow them to do that? So I think if we had more voices being willing to be seen and heard, then better things will happen in this world. And yes, Pollyanna asked, but we have to have a little bit of that, right? Come on. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I completely agree. Obviously, I think it's it's important. And, and that's why I also base my business around it. And I, and I feel too that, you know, sometimes when we have these kinds of conversations, it can be easy to think about the person who is, who doesn't have any sort of microphone or platform or so on. But I think even if you have, even if you have those things, even if you are in senior leadership or you are running a business, people are naturally looking to you. You can still experience this feeling of, of a kind of invisibility if you are not able to really express what you really want to express, what you actually mean, who you are, deliver it in a way that connects with other people so that others are understanding it and responding to it. If you are just sort of playing your professional self and veneer all the time, then that's that's still equally dissatisfying and Feels can feel really icky, right? <laughs> Absolutely, because you're just playing a role. And then it's like, okay, I'm just a cog in the machine. And I think we're beyond that now. And that's a lot of people. So a lot of what my book talks about is that we were part of this factory era where you did want to be a cog in the machine. You just wanted to put your time in nine to five or whatever it was. And you didn't want to be seen and heard. You wanted to, you know, um, what's to say, put your head down, do good work. And eventually someone will notice you and you, you weren't in control of your destiny the factory era was a different kind of hierarchy than what we had ever had before. But now we're pa- actually past that and into the next industrial era. We're into the fourth or fifth one, the imagination era, I guess it's called. We don't even know where we are because it's all happening so fast. <laughs> we'll take us yeah. some time to be able to look back. Maybe AI will tell us. But, you know, so all these, our social norms have changed so much, but we're 
you know, haven't, sorry, our social norms haven't changed, but our mm-hmm. world has changed. And so we're in this really weird limbo time. And so how we show up in the world is in a limbo period too, where we keep these old ideas of don't ruffle feathers, you know, put your head down, do good work or meritocracy. Well, they'll eventually see that I'm so good. They can't ignore me, but they do ignore you. They're so busy doing their own thing and worrying about their own career. No one is interested in your future like you are. And so that's where we have to have more self-advocacy instead of letting, letting the guardians of the status quo tell us it's our turn. So how do we move from that old thinking back into this new thinking, which is actually, if we get into it in the book, is actually old, old thinking where people knew how you were successful. They could see that we were with kin. And so people could see that around us. So now we have to amplify what makes us successful and share those stories with others instead of waiting for others to see us on our teeny tiny piece of the internet. And I would love Mm. if everyone could just find me, but you know, I have to be out there talking about this book, talking about my work so that I can help hopefully transform lives and and move things along for other people. But would I love for people to just find me? Yes. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. I, it, it, you, you talking there about sort of the, the, the things are shifting and, you know, you, you've alluded to social media there and these, some of these old norms of, you know, be be modest, let people come and find you. But it also seems like in this world of social media and content generation, it can also feel like, oh, we're supposed to be constantly talking about ourselves as well. I'm supposed to constantly be creating more content and putting more stuff out on social media and that it's all about me, me, me. And I'm curious about what what you what maybe nuances there are there to unpack or to help people, you know, understand that, like, how do we find a balance between on this one hand, this idea of like megaphoning and on the other hand, the idea of maybe hiding or, or not sharing. What do you make of that? You just hit on so many things. I'm like, bing, 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 bing right now, my brain. But part of it is let's talk. So first of all, we want you to be a beacon and not add to the noise. So be that spotlight, be that beacon, but don't add to the noise of all the things. And the book is really about, while it talks about self-promotion, which is the word self, and we think it's always me, 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 me. It's really about, here's how I'm telling the world how I'm here to serve. And then can we partner and then do something together and change the world? So that's kind of more of the idea behind it instead of, let's talk about me all the time because, oh my goodness, we just don't need that. So it's really, how can you be constructive and talk about how you are of service? Not a servant, but of service to others. That's really one of the critical points of the book. Um, But it's really, how do I talk about myself in a way that people will then know how to use me in the world and then we can partner and do good things. So I think that's one thing, but it's really... It's not about constantly doing social media either. I think I only mentioned LinkedIn in the book once or twice, which is really exciting that I didn't mention the other platforms because who knows what's happening with them. We already saw one is what is Twitter today? What is X and and other things? I don't want to date your podcast too, but what are these things and where are they going? LinkedIn, I do think is a platform that will last longer because of its nuance and how it's been set up. 
we'll see. But I think it's not about social media and that the book isn't about social media because there's so many different ways for us to communicate. And you have to do it in the way that feels the most authentic. The last thing I want us to do is all of a sudden have a part-time or actually a full-time job becoming social media people. That is too much for you. So yes, I do believe you have to have a LinkedIn presence and a few things along the way, but I want you to have those signature stories. I want you to fill out your form on your corporate newsletter, your corporate um, interwebs or whatever it's called now, mm-hmm. SharePoint, whatever it is. I'm getting so excited that I'm like, just so my brain is one way and my lips are the other. But what I want you to do is think about what are easy things. I'm a part of an association, but I've never filled out my form. Well, no one else has to, but if you do it, someone else looks at it and then they'll start to do it. And they'll remember you were there first. Or if you're on a a Zoom virtual event call, write something in, in the chat saying, Hey, great comment or whatever it is participate. Like just even participating is a form of self-promotion. So those are really teeny tiny things that you wouldn't think of, but people don't do them. So you're able to then show up and people will see you if you just start doing some of these things. Show up early to an event. That's a form of self-promotion because not everyone's fatigued and it's not loud. And talk to that person in the elevator when you know she's also going to that event in line for tea, whatever it is, because other people aren't necessarily doing it. So do those things and then you'll be remembered. So those are some small things, but it's not a social media play because none of us have time. I'm going to mention one other thing because you mentioned uh, about content and it's so many people think I have to have a new story every day. You know what? If you go and listen to other podcasts I've been on, I'm telling similar stories. They might not be exactly word for word because I'm very much off the cuff kind of person, extemporaneous all the way, but um, there's stories that I tell over and over again. Have your signature stories and allow yourself to be on repeat. We think it always has to be something new, but we don't. In the book, I talk about this Lady Gaga video and it was from, she was in the movie, A Star Is Born. And she did on all her news conferences where she'd say the same thing over and over again. She'd say, you know, it's like 99 per people in the room won't believe in you, but it's just that one person, that one person who believes in you. And every time she gave it, it was like as if it were the first time. Well, one of her fans, I'll say super fans, did a montage of it and put them all together and showed she's saying the same thing over and over again. But nobody really cares, but she had to say the message so people would hear it and it would resonate. And the people who care would be those super fans and they're loving it anyway. So we need to, you know, one of the facilitators tricks is tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them and tell them what you told them, right? So it's telling, telling, telling again and again and again, but don't be afraid to have those signature stories and bring them out over and over and over again. And add a little bit something new once in a while, but people need to hear them. And you might be the guide on the side who shows up just in time for when they need to hear that one story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, you've you shared so much here and I kind of want to like just do a quick kind of recap and, and emphasize some of these key points. So the your first answer to what what I was bringing up there is like, okay, hold on. Before we run into all of the tactics and the things that you need to make and do, what what do you actually want to say? You talked about it from a point of view of 
of service. Like, how can I bring value? Who do I want to serve? Who do I want to help? What is the kind of value that I bring? That's sort of how I interpret that. And you have also mentioned in your book um, something that I think is so important and that I try to champion as well, which is to develop your own point of view. So, to have your own point of view on subject matter. And so, that means before we are out even doing the work of sharing the ideas or, you know, the quote unquote self-promotion, spending that time and giving yourself that opportunity to really think about what your point of view is, who and how you want to serve and so on. And then from there, I love all the different little tactical suggestions you made. Um, It's like from there, you can go and show up and there might be, yes, that might be taking the stage literally, but it might also be, as you said, you know, attending a conference a few minutes early to chat with people and be willing to talk about who you are or that point of view that we mentioned, or it might be, you know, putting even, even looking at you right now on your zoom, you have a, you know, your, your book's behind you. And, and I've got, if you can see on my bookshelf, I don't know if you can, but I've got, you know, some of my own books and books that I've worked on in my background and like it, you know, so there's like these little moments of, Hey, how can we remind people who we are, what we do, or talk about those things that we care about. And as you pointed out as well, that may be in certain stories that we repeat and and tell often. Those are all great things for sure. And that's exactly the summary for sure. I think having a point of view is scary to people because we're used to not having a point of view, you know, just go along with it, with whatever messaging has been said before, but having the point of view tells the world how you are remarkable and different. And so when it comes time to look and say, who should I buy from? Who should I promote? Then we can say, well, that person has a point of view. That person is remarkable. I'm going to bring them on. And it's the difference of, standing out or fitting in like so often, you know, go back to when we were children, we only wanted to fit in, but as adults in this world, we are in now, yes, we need to fit in, but we also need to stand out. And that's what a point of view does. It allows you to say, you know, I'm a person with a, with a thought on things and here's Hmm. what it is instead of just going along with the flow. Cause the people who are going along with the flow, they're not seen and heard. And because it's not their opinions, not their thoughts. So start by adding in your point of view on things and knowing what you want to talk about. So we're not going to talk about everything. Mm-hmm. You're just going to have the things that you really care about and talk about those things. And then people will know, again, how to use you and how to promote you in this world. It's funny. I'm chuckling because you were a uh, a journalist and I used to work in public relations. And so anytime I was sending somebody to go... <laughs> And talk to journalists or, you know, be amongst media, we would have key messages and we would, you know, really strip down what are the, you know, maybe three top line key messages that you really want to get across. And then for each, you would have some bullet points. Here are the sub, you know, sub points, the, um, the you know, the smaller messages or specifics that you want to share to uphold that key point. And when we would do media training, you know, part of it was about uh, not being at the whims of the, you know, where the journalist would necessarily want to take you, but to be able to make sure that you got that story told. And in a way, it's not, it's, uh, it's not that dissimilar. I still, you know, come back to this often when working with clients of like, okay, well, what's the actual point? 
that you want to make here? What is the key takeaway, the the one idea or select points that you really want to make sure that we are enforcing and that someone's going to take away from this? It's so true. Exactly. Because often reporters, journalists, they want to talk about the past too. And so what I always want people to do is if you take away anything from our conversation, there's been lots, but mark it to where you want to go. Like, so mark it to where you want to go. So if you're doing an interview, if you're, whatever your intention is, we want to go that way instead of worrying about the past. And so how do you make sure you move forward? So mark it to where you want to go, but thinking about where I'm going and having those bullet points ready to go that it's about the future for me and where I can see my, my future. So if you know that, that the intention piece really does make a difference instead of just saying, I'm about everything and I can talk about all of these things. Be intentional, have that point of view, but it's always about where you're going in the future and not just about your past. Yeah. As you're talking, I'm thinking about um, the idea of of brand and and personal brand or in, in the book, you refer to professional brand and make a bit of a, a differentiation there, which I think is, is important. Um, can you maybe talk just, I think maybe even expanding on what you're saying just now, how can people or how should they start to think more about what, what that means to have a professional brand? Because even if you represent a larger brand, maybe you are a senior executive or even the, the owner or the founder of um, a business or an organization. I find a lot of people come to me at a certain point point. they're like, great, I have this company or this thing behind me, but what about me and what I stand for and where I want to go? And I, and in your book, you tell a a story as well about in a way that kind of happening to you too. So that that's just a, a, a chunk of ideas. Can you respond yeah. to that? <laughs> I love all your ideas. That's it. But that's it. We get lost in our titles. So I don't want us to get lost in our titles anymore because I, so I was, so I went from being a journalist to the CEO of a company that I started and we were, you know, we grew and we did really well, but I became lost in that. I was media face. I, where was Lisa Bragg? And so my company had a little bit of trouble that it's all great now, but I was like lost. Where am I in this? Who am I? What do I stand for? Do I have a little backpack or briefcase ready to go if my company goes down? It's the same thinking if you're in corporate too. Do I have my own little parachute if I leave this company today that my own brand is aware, that people are aware of who I am and what I stand for. And that's what your brand is. It's what people say about you when you're not in the room. So who are you? And it's because people get so afraid of the word brand, but, and that's why I call it professional brand instead of personal branding. Hmm. People think about personal brand as, you know, all the people who are on Instagram and selling you uh, lifestyle products, all great, but professional brand really, like, I think gives it a stance in, you know, that world of, of being in corporate and owning a business, the entrepreneur, uh, life too. So that's where I realized I needed to really come up with my own path forward. Where am I going beyond my job, job titles? Cause job titles, they're fleeting nowadays. You know, you can call mm. yourself the CEO of whatever, or I was a chief storyteller for a while and then something else. And, or, you know, you're a VP right now, but you know, you, you merge with another company. What does that mean? So I just don't get hung up on titles as much, even though they are important. And some people that's their number one thing is their title, but it's going beyond your title to say, 
how can I take what I know and think and where I want to go and move it across broader than just my title? Because if we just fixate on titles, those are limiting and they're people are they're more malleable than what they were before. So your titles change. So thinking beyond a title and all the awesomeness and skills that you bring to the world. So that's one of the thinking that I suggest to start right now or some of the thinking that I'd suggest. Um, and that's, a, I mean, those are really big questions there as well. And obviously, you know, branding can be a, a whole endeavor, but I, where, where specifically would you start? Like, is there one question you would start with or would you, you know, if someone's thinking, okay, I'm totally guilty of this. and like, I don't know who I am if I step outside of my job title or like, I know I have more to give and share, but the brand, where do I even begin. Yeah. So I would really start with where do you want to go? So thinking about where you want to go next, that marketing to where you want to go. So where do you want to go? Do you want to be a CEO? Do you want to be that next level VP? Do you want to work in at an NGO leaving corporate to, or do you want to go and start your own company? So thinking about where you really want to go in, it could be two years, three years, five years, whatever the timeline, 10 months, it could be whatever timeline you want, but where do I truly want to go? Because knowing that everything starts to align from there. So if you have that piece, that's one of the harder pieces to go forward with, but it's easier. So the challenge for so many of us is we want to go to the tactics and you kind of mentioned it earlier. It's like, I want to be on social media. I have to think I have to get a new job. So I'm going to post all on social media without really doing the work of saying, where do I want to go? So always start with strategy. So, well, strategy and goals, where do I want to go? How am I going to get there? And then you can start thinking about the tactics, the little vehicles that will get you there. But we so often just think, oh, social media will save the day. But it's really knowing what are my goals? What's my objective? What's the strategy, the big overarching idea to get there, the plan, and then the tactics. Those are the, that's the way I would set it up. But the number one thing is, well, what do you want to, where do you want to go? What do you want to do? And then go from there. Mm-hmm. I think that's one piece. One way to think about it though, is what makes you remarkable in your heart of hearts? And so many of us will go to that we're parents and our kids and things like that, but it has to be about you. You know, kids are great. It's the whole thing. But like you specifically, you. You, <laughs> at the end of the day, you know, you as you're on this journey, where do you want to go? And not worrying about all the obligations you have, but what in the heart of hearts do you want? Where do you want to go? And so that's a big piece of it is knowing where do I want to go? What makes me remarkable? What are my superpowers? And I kind of feel like that's overused, but what makes you, you? and go with that exercise. So those are like things to unpack. And part of the challenge is we don't do the self-reflection piece enough mm-hmm. to say, I'm going to stop and really think about who I am and where I want to go and not hide behind what everyone expects me to do. I think that's that hidden gem piece. Mm-hmm. We do what other people tell us to do a lot. Mm-hmm. What do you really want to do? And be honest with yourself and do you know the seven layers deep exercise where it's like you ask yourself again, why do I want that? Why do I want that? Why? And you keep asking the same question. I think it's Toyota uses seven or five. I can't remember right now. It's or, it, it or is an Honda or something. Yeah. yeah. It's an exercise yeah. in the book, but um, ask yourself and really hold your feet to the fire and say, why do I want that? Like really, why do I want that? And when you get an answer, ask it again, because what you might reveal will be deeper or different than what you think. You know, you might want something 
you think it's for financial gain or prestige, but it actually might be because you're lonely or it might be something else that you uncover through this, doing this, what sounds like a really simple exercise, but it is actually challenging to do and you need to come back to it but it's something to to start with. So hopefully a few nuggets in there for people to get going with. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think you're you're speaking to something that I often come back to and it's it's is this notion that to really do this work we need to spend some time wrestling with some of these bigger questions like um you know, what do I want to be known for? What do I want my legacy to be? What is it about me or within me that I want other people to share or to to benefit from in some way? And, you know, as you said too, like where where do I want to go? Maybe who do I want to serve? What's most important to me? These are big questions to wrestle with. And that's contrary to, you know, it's very easy, especially if you're running your own business or you're involved in marketing or anything like this, where there's just an overwhelming amount of ideas or people telling you what to do, or you need to do this, you need to be on this platform and this social media or have, and it's constantly changing. So now, you know, you should be using this tool or, or what have you. And that there's not as much emphasis on saying, okay, let's take a step back and consider where do I actually really want to be? And I don't have endless, unlimited time and resources. So what do I want to do with the time and resources that I've got based on who I do want to serve and who I do want to be and how I do want to show up and all that stuff? Um, having said on that, said all that, I kind of want to go in a different a slightly different direction now. I've got some other questions for you. That's maybe a little bit more tactical. Did you want to respond to that? No, but I, you and I are so, it, this is so great because it's exactly what I say and uh, really truly believe. And so appreciate you bringing it back and having somebody else, an ally in this mission was saying, let's help people be seen and heard. So happy. This, to is, <laughs> this is why I love your book because I, I, I felt like I, yes, I, naturally agree with a lot of it. And it, it felt very um, nice to to read and to see so much stuff where it's kind of like permission, you know, we can all use again and again. I think we, we can't really get enough of like permission and, and affirmation of when we're doing something that sort of goes against the grain a little bit, but also that it, it still challenged me because I all, it also reminded me of the places where I still will naturally hide. And, and in fact, perfect segue. So one of those things that you mentioned that I have definitely done is not necessarily mm, done the little bit of work to point out my own unique contributions in something that is a larger or team effort. It will feel kind of muddy. And I, I, I appreciated that in your your book, you have talked about folks where they might dismiss their own involvement by saying things like, oh, it's a team effort. Even if they're given acknowledgement, they might be like, well, it was, you know, it, uh, it wasn't me. It was also da, da da da. So, all that to say, can you comment on like how and where it's appropriate to point out your unique contribution to a thing and how we might handle 
some of these kind of muddy waters. For sure. So one thing though, if you are doing things as a ghost writer, and so that's where our ghost coach, like where you're the you're the guide on the side and it's, you know, you're supposed to be that in the shadows kind of position. I would talk to your client to make sure that it's okay with her or him that you can use them. Because sometimes it's part of your credibility bundle to not name things. And that's where you have to really say, I coach international leaders and without naming names. Because And then you can say that part of it is I don't name names because they're that good unless they give me permission. So that's one way of saying like, I am that good, but it's part of my whole thing. It's part of my brand to not reveal unless they reveal first. But but there are mm-hmm. people who are on the international stage. And so that at least we get a flavor of the people that you are working with. So for the ghost kind of people, right. that's that's kind of the the attitude. Because and even for discretion some people, is sometimes necessary and and yep, yeah, and part of the value for sure. But so I'm speaking more to cases where it's not baked in to be hidden, but it's also not like front and center. Yeah. And so that's where taking credit. But but again, just going back to the ghost thing, some people are in jobs. Somebody wrote to me who's high up in um, the US security world, and he can't talk about some of the things, but he can talk about it within the people. If you know, you know, and now they really know about him. And so it's like, how do you do it within your own circles that the circles of safety, I guess it would be that you can talk about it. So asking permission, no matter who you are, is one way of doing it. But if you are in other fields, we don't take credit and we can't leave credit lying around because credit goes to where credit knows. So if Joe got credit on a project the first time, and then Joe you know, left, maybe he went on paternity leave and he comes back at the last minute and he brings us coffee. Well, who's going to get credit again? It's going to be Joe. Joe's going to get credit for the second project, even if he didn't participate at all, because credit goes where credit knows. And so we have to leave uh, markers along the way. So it's moments over milestones. So people know we're saying, hey, these are the things that we're doing along the way so that they know that they should give us credit. Often when we're in teams too, we can say as a leader, one thing to help your team is help them to talk about credit amongst themselves. So have somebody on the team say, well, you know what, Camille did this on the project. She did a great job before they say, I did this, you know, so let them share credit. But I do want people to say, I did this, (laughs) but we're so afraid of it. So one of the softer ways of entering that um, taking credit conversation is my contribution to this and that people feel really good about adding that saying my contribution because it feels much more collective than individualistic. So, but take Mm -hmm. credit for things and let people know. And one of the things that we do is we start building our brag book or some people call it smile file or file of awesomeness. You've heard it before to do these things, but you don't mm-hmm. do it. So start today of collecting as you can any information that gives you credit. So if it's an email of kudos from a client or a leader, make sure you have that. Make sure you have it in your own files that you can walk away with. Maybe it's mm-hmm. printed out old school. Maybe it's, but we forget so quickly all the great things that we've done in the world. And so having a brag book allows you to start taking credit and seeing all the good things that you've done instead of forgetting about it. Cause we all forget. I don't even remember what I did last week. So like, mm-hmm. you know, and if you're a leader, it's a good thing to ask your teams to do too. Yeah. So I've seen, you know, a lot of these cases too, where 
like the team leader feels that they should acknowledge everyone who contributed, but it, it will often be, you know, say they're on Slack and they're saying, you know, Hey, we did this great thing. Thanks so much. You know, all the various names for help, or I've, I've heard this done verbally as well. Maybe it's at a big, you know, team meeting. Okay. Well here it's sort of like little shout outs, but it, it sort of misses an opportunity for that individual contribution. So like as a leader, is there a better way to help that, to help the individuals sort of get appropriate recognition for their work? Or is it more up to us as individuals to say, you know, amongst each other, oh, hey, yeah, I really liked working on this project. Here's, here's what I, here's was my contribution to it. So I'm, so chapter 13 goes all into what a leader can do to help support their teams. And I think that's one of the most important chapters because it's not just, here's what I can do to help myself, but then it's like, how do I flip this and help everyone who's with me on this journey, which I think is really important because I also talk about sistering up how we, you know, we're meant to support. So sistering up is a construction term, which means supporting a joist. So it's usually often to support other things, usually in floors. And so how do we help support other people? But also realizing that self-advocacy that self piece is critical. And I tell the story in the book of Rita, who she was with one financial services firm and her boss had promised that he would take her along and she was doing everything to build his brand, all of the things. And then he got headhunted and left almost like that because he had to do his, his garden leave time, his time out. And he left And she was left like with nothing. Nobody knew all the good things that she had been doing. She thought he had been sowing the seeds for her as well. And he wasn't. And I don't know if it's very, it's if he was being narcissistic or just taking advantage, but the the thing is it's your own career and you only care about Mm -hmm. your future. Like no one else is going to care about it the way you do. And I've mentioned that before, but then she left to another company realizing she would have to start from scratch. And she's kind of down on where she was going to be. So she left to another company and I was doing group coaching with them. And she said, well, um, oh, I think her boss was Nadine. Her VP was Nadine. And she said, oh, well, Nadine's going to help me get ahead. And Nadine was like, no, 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 not me. Mm -hmm. This is for you. I will be a guide on the side. I will be your cheerleader, but you need to own your own career. And so many of us just put our hands up and hope that the next level up person is going to take us along or we'll be on their coattails. And that's just not going to happen. People are jumping and going different places so fast now, and you just don't know who's going to be where. So you really need to own your own future and move forward as if there's no one there to help you. And if you are a leader, yes, of course, you're going to be there to cheerlead, champion, and sponsor, but making sure that the people underneath you have feel power to do that. It's instead of power over, because that's where we have so many hidden gems, people who are hiding because they have that person who's passed power over them, thinking that they will give them some power eventually, instead of saying, no, I need to keep the power myself and be in control of my own future. So that's a lot to unpack with that, but that's, that's the difference of it. Yeah. I love that. I mean, it's, it's very easy to feel like, um, as you said, you know, the, the right job, the right person, someone, someone else, I can hitch my wagon to someone else. And 
you know, if this person shares my stuff or this person approves of me or this person gives me a testimonial or if I work for them, but rather to, to then say, no, this is my own journey. Who do I want to be here? What do I want to stand for? Going back to that point of view, what's the point of view that I want to cultivate the things that are going to make me, me, and then continuing to look for those opportunities to, to share them and promote them and, and kind of sounds like a sort of ongoing management of that for yourself and management sounds like not very much fun, because, but this, this idea of it be, being sort of something ongoing that we can continue to nurture and share, I think is a really lovely idea. And as leaders as well, to be able to support and encourage and cultivate that as well, rather than it be like, yeah, top, always the top down, the person at the top deciding who gets the attention or who gets to stand out. I love the idea of that being a continual kind of work in progress for ourselves. A great summary there, because it's really also about how do we, people always think about building, building trust, but it's really how do we earn over time, social currency, social currency, instead of saying, I'm going to build up something all of a sudden, because I have to get a new job, but how do I continually earn social currency to then say, this is what I want to do. And this is where I want to go and look at all my experiences. So it's, it's that kind of thinking instead of saying someone else has control over me now own your own future and move forward with it for sure. That's beautiful. Yeah. Love that. Own your own future. It's yours. Well, thank you so much, Lisa. This has been a great conversation went so quickly. I'm sure we could continue talking for hours, but this has been such a a great conversation and a ton of value for my listeners, I'm sure. Oh, thank you. Yes. Because I think it could be a yes and yes and between us the whole time. So it's nice to build upon it when somebody else has similar thinking that it's like, okay, yes, we have so many things that um, are of value. And I think we both get so excited about sharing the idea that we need to have more people seen and heard in this world. So thank you. I appreciate your time. Amazing. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Storytelling with Heart podcast. Want to turn your thoughts into leadership and your ideas into words that make a difference? Find me and discover more free resources at www.camilledeputter.com. While you're there, don't forget to subscribe to my email newsletter where I share stories, free tools, and other storytelling guidance. And never forget, your story matters.